right, good morning, everyone. Good to see everyone out today. Welcome to our second week of our four-part series called Running with the Giants. And uh, uh, Hannah so eloquently introduced that to us last week and looking forward to today. And, of course, if you weren't here last week, you can go see that on, or or not see it. One day maybe you will, but uh, at least listen to it on podcast. We're going to actually... Uh, take a race to run a race together today maybe try to slow it down and walk a race together but uh, we've started this series called running with the giants we're not the uh, inventors of that phrase it's not something that we originated it's actually originated with john maxwell who is a, a leadership guru across the nation around the world for years now and he wrote the book a first book and a second book called running with the giants and he took Men and women of faith that you see listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, We call it the Hall of Fame of Faith, some of us. And he took those men and he uh, introduced them to us and he called them giants. And he looked at the scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and says that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. The witnesses are the men of faith, men and women of faith that you see in chapter 11. And he said that they are, according to the scripture, it says that they are leaning over and cheering us on in the race and the walk that we have, this journey in life. And uh, so we said, you know what, we're going to take that and embrace that and spend four weeks on four people that we think that will be beneficial, that maybe we can learn some principles to that will help us in the journey that we're on. That they're watching and cheering us on. But I want you to start with me in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I want to read this out of the New Living Translation for you this morning. Just kind of bring you up to speed real quick. So since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, women too, come on, give it up for the women. Yeah. Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet. And trip us up and let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. I love this part. I hadn't seen this until yesterday. The second piece in this translation says, Keep your eyes on Jesus, our leader and our instructor. Don't you just love that? Um, And I asked this question in first service. I want to ask you the same. Have you ever come to a place where you reached a place in life where you needed some help? Maybe there was a failure that happened in your life. Maybe there was a disappointment and you just knew it, man. You hit that bottom spot that, that uh, if I keep going the way I am, I'm going to be in a spot that uh, I might not never be able to bail myself out of. Let me first tell you that in God, you can always be bailed out of what you're in. It's never hopeless in God. But if you stick on your own life and walk your own course and your own path, it might be hopeless and it might not have an end to it. But we want to make sure that doesn't happen to you. And of course, all of us have been there. Maybe you're on the other side of the fence. Maybe you're a person that, hey, people have come to you because of the experiences that you've had and they've seen you do this successfully, do life successful, and they're asking you, hey, man, what do I do? How do I, how do I make sure this doesn't happen to me? What an honor for someone to do that. What an honor for someone to even trust you in that position. Well, that's kind of what you have here. We have these men and women of faith that are cheering us on from the grandstands, and and they're really just saying, hey, look, man, we got you back. We've been there. We know what's happening in your life. But how many of you know that when there's a crowd of people, it's, it's kind of hard to hear one voice because there's so many people in that one crowd? But let me ask you this. What if one, each one of them as individuals, each one of these men and women, at separate times, could come down out of the grandstands just like this, get down here and get right close to Thomas. Stand up with me, brother. And start walking. We'll call this our race. This is our track that we're on right now. Hand on his shoulder like this. You know the first time uh, 
uh, Thomas and I met, I caught him off guard because I gave him a big hug. <laughs> messed him up bad. And I told him I loved him and really messed him up. <laughs> but listen, I'm glad he didn't take that wrong. <laughs> but walking, and what would I begin to do? He could hear my voice now. If I could share with him, go ahead and sit down. Thank you, Thomas. Going to get up for Thomas. If I could... Sh- If I could share with him one phrase, one thing that would sum up my whole life experience and and that would impart something to you and that would help you, what would that phrase be? What would it be that would change my life forever? Hence, that's what we're trying to do with each one of these four giants. Taking their whole life, walking the track with them, walking the race. And and, uh, we're going to take this one a little bit slow. We're not running today for all you runners. We're going to kind of walk this track, okay? Some of you need to slow down anyway because you're going too fast for God and you might miss it. Hannah said this to us last week. I, don't want, I didn't want to misquote this. And I thought it was really good. It, really, it just meant something to me because she looked at Isaiah as our first giant in our life that could help us. And she said his whole life was summed up under this one statement. It says, an encounter with God changes everything. Now, I didn't... I mean, that was good. That was rich. That was awesome. But then she said this right behind it. And this really puts it in perspective. In other words, when we see God clearly, we can see ourselves clearly. Some of you are living, or we are, maybe say, we've all lived cloudy lives. Times when we couldn't see necessarily where we were going. But when I get to where I can bring God into it, that cloudiness might, not, might somewhat disappear in my life. Oh man, go listen to the podcast, it'll change your life forever. But this week, I want to kind of take you into another person that I believe is really watching down from the grandstands, just like these men of women in faith. But he's not in that chapter 11. I'm kind of going to step out of the box a little bit on this. And, you know, uh, you'll hear from a couple other of those guys next week. But this week, I want to talk to you about Peter. I'm going to go into the New Testament with you and just because I believe he's watching from the grandstands just like the rest of these guys. I mean, come on, guys. Peter, he's in all four Gospels. <laughs> he shows up in the book of Acts after him messing things up royally a few times. He's in the book of Acts chapter 1 and 2, and all of a sudden he's preaching to thousands of people, anointed by the Holy Ghost, the power of God's all over him. And man, his whole personality and nature was changed by an encounter with God. Then not only is he there, he shows up in the epistles, and he wrote two books. You ever written a book that's in the Bible? Yeah, you are. You're writing your story right now. And what Peter did is he took his story, he took his story that was on the track and he put it on paper for us so that you and I can maybe run this race together. And here's what it would come to. Here's what I believe, just a personal thought of mine. And and will you just indulge me, embrace it with me today? I believe that Peter would say this to you and I. When he gets on the track and he's just starting, he's not to the quarter of the track, he's not halfway around. He says, look, man, I'm going to share some things with you that I experience. I'm going to live my life right in front of you in just a few words now, but I'm going to put it into one statement, and it's this. Look, take it from me. I've been there. I want you to look at somebody and say right now, say, take it from me. I've been there. (laughs) Uh, Here's a statement that I believe he would start off to say for all of us. There is no doubt that God is interested in your success. He's not interested in seeing you fail, but failure at times is inevitable. Take it from me, 
I've been there. What am I saying to you today, guys? Listen to me. I want you to understand something. We can learn from Peter's life what to do with failure and what to do with disappointment. And I believe as he's just getting into the first quarter of the race with us this morning, here's what he would say. Take it from me. I've been there. I believe he would say this. Failure is painful. I believe he would say this. Failure is universal. In other words, you're going to fail at something. I mean, I know we are faith people. And we believe in the supernatural miracle miracle working power of God. You're anointed. You're untouchable. I get it. You are like kings and gods on this earth at times. and, And nothing can ever happen to me. You're deceiving yourself to think that. I believe you can come up underneath of the protection of God. I believe you can come up underneath of the angels of God. And they can keep you from harm. Keep you from falling. But I do believe that you have to admit that you are not perfect. And there are times that you might make mistakes. And if you're not careful, that mistake can drive you to a place where you think it's a failure and then it becomes a disappointment to your life. And that's exactly what leads me to the third thing that I believe that Peter would say to you in regard to failure. If you're not careful, failure will do one of two things to you. Number one, it it could have paralyzed you. What do I mean by that? I missed it. I messed up. I don't ever want to do that again because it didn't work out for me. And some of you need to do it again. Some of you need to pick up life and get up on the platform of life again and realize that you got angels watching over you. you got the Spirit of God moving through you. you got Jesus on your life. And you got a God that says, thanks be unto God, He always causes me to triumph. Get past that paralyzed place and move to this spot where you say, number two, what could happen in my life is growth. I can learn from the mistakes and the experiences that I have and And I believe that here's what Peter is saying to us. And I'm going to give you four principles in just a few minutes. As we walk our race together, here's what he would say to you right now. This moment. Matter of fact, let's just do a couple things real quick. I know you don't want to stand up in church, but do it anyway. Come on. Sometimes it just acknowledges something within you. And here's what Peter would say to each one of us right now. He says, look, I want you, you're going to have to make a decision... Right now, go ahead and decide that in the face of every failure, every discouragement, that you're not going to succumb to that failure. Look at somebody right next to you and say, you know what? Take it from me. I've been there. I'm going over, brother. Or sister. Sit down. Here we go. I'm going to give you two real quick points. Two things I think he would say to us as we're on this track together so that I can get to the third one I think is the most important. Number one, here's what he would say. Just like he chose me, he chose you. I'm a fisherman. That's what I do. That's what I've done. And in those days, fishermen were were really fit the stereotype of the whole package, man. They had bad language. They were vulgar. They were were dirty. They were smelly. I'm not putting any of you fishermen in that box. I'm just saying that this was then. They had bad tempers. They were a man's man, trusted in their own ability, trusted in their own strength. There weren't much that they couldn't do. There was a lot of trust in their self, and they were good at what they did. And Peter here, he says, look, he's letting you know, look, this is who I was. Listen, man, I'm just telling you, I was a fisherman. He chose me. I cut off a guy's ear. 
I let my temper get a hold of me. Not only that, I denied Jesus who I love so much. I denied him three times. In the face of a young girl, which I should have been bold, should have been a testimony for, I denied him. I said, I don't know who he is. Because I was afraid that, you know, I, I'm a Christian, but, but I don't know if I am, but I'm a Christian. You know, I'm, I'm one of these guys. I'm one of these churches. You know, I'm not charismatic. I'm one of these guys. And we found out right quickly the week before that, every single one of you are charismatic because every single one of you have been given a charis gift to use. Men have taken the word and used it wrongly. Anyway, he says, look, I rebuked Jesus because I was so mad at him because it didn't work out for me and I let him know what I thought about it and then Jesus even called me Satan. <laughs> he chose me. He'll choose you. Take it from me. I've been there. Hannah said this statement last week I thought was powerful. He chose to remove my past so I can redeem someone else's future. Come on now. Luke chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 10. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He was identifying with his outward testimony and not what was happening inward. But Jesus didn't look at his outward testimony. He says, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. Come on now. That's good. And it might not be good for you, but it's good for me. <laughs> Number two, I believe that he would on this race, on this track, he'd be saying this to us. Not only did he choose you like he chose me, but he also changed your name like he changed my name. In John chapter 1, verse 42, he says, Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. This is who you were. This is your past. You'll be called Cephas, which in translated is Peter, which means strength and ability. In other words, Peter's saying, after all of my failures, all of my mistakes, all of my discouragement, the fact that I could remind myself that my name had been completely changed, that was the things that were willing to, that actually brought me through some of those things, is that in Christ, this is who I am. You are Christ on this earth. I'm not saying you are the Christ. You are Christ on this earth, which means you are anointed. The Bible says that you are heirs of God, sons and daughters of God, been given the blessings of Abraham on your life, that absolutely you can decree that I am. Thanks be unto God. I'm a son of God. All things are passed away. Come on now. All things are new. But you just might have to remind yourself is what Peter's saying, because there's a chance you might forget that. So number one, he chose you. Number two, remind yourself, your name has been changed. All right, don't like that one? Moving right along. Number three. I believe this is the one I want you to get the most before we walk out of here today together. And this is it. Listen, guys, take it from me. I've been there. Peter, he says, look, if you've ever run into a failure or a disappointment in a place where you needed a miracle, listen to me, God's a miracle-working God. I saw him do them, and I still missed it. I saw him do things. I saw him take a, tell me that there was going to be a coin in a fish's mouth, and guess what? It was there. You try that. What about if it's financial? What if it is, uh, we've all hit a disappointment or a failure financially. You've been doing it this way. You've done everything right. But listen to me. The work that you have doesn't meet the needs that you have. You're working everything. You're doing everything. You've got all this coming in. You're doing your part. You're giving to God what belongs to God. You're giving offerings. You're doing it all. But the money doesn't line up with the circumstances. He's a miracle-working God. 
Now here's what Peter would do, I believe. This is what he would say. And uh, I'm just going to kind of jump into the story with you right now in Luke chapter 5. If you want to go there, you can see it. Here's a really cool thing. Listen, we're walking together with Peter. We're halfway right now. Halfway on the track. And Peter's like, look, man, there was a day. Let me just tell you something. This happened to me. Jesus came to me. I had been fishing all night long. I, I was done. We didn't catch no fish. Everyone, See, my dad was a fisherman. My brother was a fisherman. Every single one of us, we were out doing it. We were doing what we knew to do, but nothing was there. We didn't catch anything. I was ready to give up. I was ready to quit. It was a failure in my life, and I had bills to pay. I had needs to pay. I had to put food on my table, and it wasn't there. I was ticked off. And Jesus had the nerve to come up to me because he wanted to teach some people and ask me for my boat. I don't give my boat to nobody. It's my boat. You're not driving my boat. You're not going to have my boat unless I'm on that boat. Well, guess what Jesus had the nerve to do then? Because I knew who Jesus was. I had met him and I knew what the circumstances, you know, I didn't want to get struck by lightning or something, you know, who knows, this is Jesus, he can do stuff. I, I didn't want to let that happen. So here, he said, he asked me for my boat and then he had the nerve when he was done teaching, he said, get in the boat with me. Much less. And what's so interesting when he said to get in the boat with me, he didn't say get in your boat with me, he said get, he said, get in the boat as if that boat is his boat now. You took my boat. Now you're telling me to get in the boat that's mine that you're saying is yours. It's my livelihood. It's how I make my living. And then Jesus, you know what he did from there? Man, I'm just telling you, it gets better. He tells me to push out in the deep and go fishing. I didn't want to go fishing. I fished all night long. I had no fish. And he pushed me out there, and I, again, that's Jesus. So I get out there, and we get out there in the boat, we get out there fishing, and in 10 minutes, we caught more than I caught all year long. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what happened, really happened. It got so big and so heavy, I had to call my buddies to come out there with their boats. We caught so much fish, and we all overloaded with fish. He told me to put my nets in the water. I didn't want to put my nets in the water. It, don't, it ain't going to work, Jesus. I was there. I, oh, you don't know nothing about fishing. I'm a fisherman with a few explicatives in there. I don't think he did that. That's my interpretation. But. but Jesus said to me, put your net in the water and you'll catch some fish. Actually, it doesn't say that. He just told him to put the fish, the net in the water. And then the miracle happened. And it was so abundantly supplied that he had to call other people. You might not be at that place where you have that miracle in your life. But now Peter's going to take us at halfway and he's going to say, man, I'm just telling you, that was awesome. You should have been there. But I'm here with you. And as we get ready to run the rest of this track, let me show you what I learned from that. Take it from me. I've been there where you are. Here's what he said. And this is just kind of my own interpretation. I hope this is working for you as much as it worked for me. <laughs> number one, if you want to move away from failure and defeat, number one, you're going to have to give him your boat. What does that mean? You've got to give him total access to your life and everything that you have, your whole livelihood. And until you're willing to do that, you are not qualified to come to the place where you trust him for your future. Number two, not only are you getting in the boat, you've got to get in the boat with him. You need the presence of God in your life. I was not catching any fish until the presence of God was in my boat. 
Not only am I given the boat, I got to get in the boat with him if I want to catch any fish. You got needs to pay, you got bills to pay, you got debt your way, you got life, you got kids that are running like the devil, you got stuff going on, you're trying to put food on your table. It ain't happening until you get to here. Number three, you got to do what he says. He tells you, you got to do what he says. Because listen, if you aren't willing to get on God's plan on how to do this, it's still not going to work for you. You can give him your boat, and a lot of people do that. They give him the boat, they bring the present, but they don't work with his plan. Which leads me to number four. <laughs> Good. Number four, Jesus said, let down my nets. You got to put away your pride. You've got to come to a place where you humble yourself underneath of the mighty hand of God so that he will exalt you in due time. That might be in, the, in, in, in this look to it that you do this with someone else that's been there, someone else that's been and ex- experienced something, and they've got... Don't go to somebody that it ain't working for. Okay? Listen, don't go to somebody that's got the experience and they're still in the experience. It ain't going to work for you that way. you got to get to people, humble yourself, and say, Look, man, I'm doing this. It ain't working for me right now. I keep doing this. I keep doing this. And I think I'm doing it right. You just might not be. And someone else can show you, Look, make one little tweak. Put your net in the water this way. And what will happen is the miracle begins to happen in your life. And here's the last one of that point that I want to give you. Not only do I give him a boat, and I get the presence in my boat, then I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna give him my net. Here's what you gotta do too. Jesus said, "Push out into the deep water." The big fish, the miracles are only in the deep water. Little fish are here. What happens in the deep water, Thomas? You can't touch the bottom. You really gotta trust God then, when your feet aren't in control anymore. And you're, you got your... It ain't going to work that way. And I'm going to take a different twist to this. Some of us in the congregation, our miracles are passing us by. Because Peter, look, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, listen, if I had stayed on the shore... I would have missed my miracle. Some in the congregation, you're staying on the shore. You're, you're about ankle deep, maybe knee deep, waist deep. You're like Hannah said last week. You raise your toe in praise and worship. tell you willing to get your feet completely off the ground and go in the deep and get away from the shore you will be missing your miracles and Jesus is telling you through Peter take it from Peter he's been there he needed a miracle in his life he needed financial provision until he was willing to get to this place The miracles weren't going to happen in his life. Final point. Pastor Tiffany, you can come on up. Take it from me, Peter would say, as we're rounding the corner, coming to our final place of our lap. Here we are. We're at the last quarter of the lap. You know what's the best part about the last quarter of the lap? You can see the finish line. (laughs) That's when you're dog-tired, 
That's when you're hurting a little bit. But isn't it funny, at that spot, it seems to get a little bit more adrenaline starts to kick in. Because there it is. There it is. Say, we just went around the tough spot. I get that. But now we've got the finish line. And here's what Peter would say. Here's what he's telling you right now. Take it from me. I've been there. By his divine power, 2 Peter 2, 3, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Take it from me. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10. There is no way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to benefit you today. I'm not going to, I mean, meaning this, I'm not, I, I, I want to read it so bad. Can I have your permission to read this? I would, I seriously, if somebody said no, one person said no, I would do what they say. The rest of you would kill you, but it's all right. In the scripture, this phrase is never used in scripture, but this one time. Peter, who I'm listening to right now, he's saying to me, as you see the finish line, do these things, and he says, you'll never fall away. Do these things, and you'll never fall away. Only time in scripture it says, you'll never fall away, with the emphasis on this. Here's what he says. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Come on now, stand on the word of God. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Quit doing things halfway. Don't pay half tax, pay all tax. That's exactly what happened when Peter found the coin in the fish's mouth. Jesus gave him enough money to go pay for his taxes and Peter's taxes. So here we go. Do everything with excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. You're going to have to know some things about God if you're going to prosper in God. Quit playing dumb. And acknowledge and knowledge with self-control. Quit flying off the handle. Learn to get a control of your flesh. And with self-control, patient endurance. When failure and disappointment come, you will need endurance and patience. And you've got this. You've got this. You've got the goods on the inside of you to be patient. You might need some friends to help you with that one. And patient endurance with godliness. There's a godly lifestyle to live. With brotherly affection. I love this. This seals the deal on our weekend. With brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. You do these things, you'll never fall away, the scripture says. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail... To develop in this way, they're short-sighted. They're blind. Listen, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins, what happens? They go back to their past, and their past gets on them again. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. (laughs) Stand up with me. Do these things, and you'll never fall away. Take it from me, Peter says. Because I've been there. Look at somebody and say, take it from me. I've been there.